I'm Mark. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm so glad that you guys have joined us uh, this morning. We're starting a new series called Core 52, as you can see up there, and I'll explain what all that means in just a second. Uh, but the question that I want to start with, uh, start off with is, do you want to know the Bible better? Do you want to know the Bible better? And I would imagine here, we got a lot of followers of Jesus in here, you probably want to know the Bible better. In fact, a, a study in this book, Core 52, which I'll talk about again here throughout this uh, today and then this series, uh, talks about how 80% of followers of Jesus want to know the Bible better. So I think it's safe to assume the majority of us here want to know the Bible better. Even when I came to know Jesus I, I, as a teenager, had a personal relationship with him, I thought, I want to know God better. So how can I do that? Well, of course, seeking him in prayer, but then seeking him in his word, because his word is how we can get to know him better, to know his ways better, and how we're to live our lives and be transformed uh, by his word. So I wanted to know him better. But the interesting thing, too, in this book, it talks about that actually uh, 60% of people who aren't followers of Jesus yet want to know the Bible better also. Isn't that interesting that there is a, now they, they might not believe that the Bible here, and I have my Bible, uh, is the inspired word of God, like those of us who are followers of Jesus, like this is God breathed for us. This is why we want to know him better. Now, somebody who isn't a follower of Jesus might uh, probably do, does not believe that this is the word of God uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but there's an interest there, whether they want to know Jesus and his ways, or uh, they, they may even be skeptic or, you know, want to know, you know, what this has to say, but there, there's an interest there. And I think it is important for us to understand that, the, that people who aren't followers of Jesus actually are interested in the Bible, interested to know about Jesus. And this, it's an opportunity for us to share our faith as we engage with people who don't know Jesus or don't, aren't a part of a church family yet, that we can reach out to them in this way. So we see God in his word. We want to know him better. And uh, the reason why, a lot of reasons why you can see on the next slide, those who engage the Bible, uh, they're actually, their lives are better uh, because of it. So the study shares that 62%, uh, th- those who engage the Bible regularly, ha- they experience less drunkenness, 59% less pornography use, 59% less sexual sin, and 45% less gambling. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean like they read this uh, commandment, don't gamble or don't steal or, uh, you know, don't lust. And that's, you know, why. It's that the Bible uh, transforms us. God, through his word, transforms our hearts. And then we uh, begin to live more for God. And this is why we want to, one of the reasons why we want to engage the Bible, because it transforms us. It changes us. Uh, there's a, a, some more on this study a positive message of the scriptures reduces bitterness by 40%, destructive thoughts by 32%, isolation by 32%, unforgiveness by 31%, and loneliness by 30%. So we can see that the scriptures really change us, help us to have a better outlook on life. Again, not as like a self-help book or anything like that, but that the God who inspired the, his word uh, changes our hearts because we are prone to be like this, right? We're prone, let's just be honest, 
to get drunk. We're prone to lust. We're prone to gamble. We're prone to be bitter, to have destructive thoughts. We're prone to, be, uh, to live in bitterness and unforgiveness and anger. We're prone to just be fed up with this whole world. I'm just going to be by myself. I'm done with all of this. We're prone to be like this. So God, in his grace, has given us his word to transform us. And we, as a church family here, have been really focusing on uh, seeking God. If you've noticed, we did the series on prayer. We're seeking God in his word, or seeking God in prayer together uh, with that prayer series. And then with the Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire class that is still continuing and going, you're welcome to, uh, to join us after uh, the service for that, that we want to seek God in prayer. And the other thing that we want to do is seek him in his word, uh, that it transforms us as we seek after him in his word. And this is really who we are as a church, as Crossroads. We grow together, we grow the connected, and then we reach out to those who don't know Jesus, the disconnected. And we do this by seeking God, sharing our lives and serving God and others. So we seek him in prayer and in his word. And this absolutely uh, changes us and it absolutely impacts how we live out really the Great Commission to go, which is to reach out and to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them, Jesus says, everything he's commanded and I will be with you until the very end of the age. So this helps us, enables us to, to live this out as we seek God uh, together. And I love that when we engage in the word and then allow it to change us, that it does help us to reach out to others because what, the statistic that I just shared, that 60% of people who don't know Jesus are actually interested in the Bible and interested in Jesus and, uh, and even more people that are interested in just in religion or spirituality in general, that we have an opportunity uh, to invite them to this series, to, 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 to be interested in the word and to learn more about him and more about the Bible. But then even as we reach out to others and invite them into our homes or invite them for coffee, that we have an opportunity to, hey, they, they're probably interested in the Bible. Did you know I'm a Christian? You know I've been reading this in God's word and this is what I've been wrestling with. Or if you listen to their story and you hear how they're hurting or what they're going through, that you, through studying God's word, can, can uh, impart some grace, some love, some wisdom to them as we do that together. So I think that we all want to know the Bible better and to know God better through his word. But there's some things that prevent us from doing that. And here's two things. We, we're too busy we're too busy to engage in God's words. And here's the thing with that, all those statistics that I shared about engaging the Bible doesn't mean now you're going to become a Bible scholar and you're going to go to seminary and you're going to read, you know, do this for a living, read the Bible eight hours a day, 40 hours a week. It's talking about engaging the Bible regularly, maybe 15 to 20 minutes, four to five times a week. So uh, it, it's manageable, it's doable, but yet at the same time, we could be too busy even to do that. And uh, I want to be empathetic because 
you know, I have two young kids. We have like a four-year-old and a, and a six-year-old. We're busy with the things that they're doing and, 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 and how much attention that they need at the, that age. So we get that. We're busy. We, ha- we both work as well. Uh, we both have jobs. Andrea does, and so do I. And, uh, and you guys, too, you probably have jobs and things that you're doing. You have kids that are maybe older or that have to run them to different activities and things, and maybe you're working 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. It's like, how do I have time even just, just to take a breath and let alone to engage in God's Word? So I think that's, that's a reason why oh, we don't engage regularly. Another one is we don't know where to start. Like, where do I start? Look at all of these. There's 66 books in here. And do I just open it up and open to here? Uh, Jeremiah, he's talking, this subtitle here says wineskins. Like, what is that about? Threat of captivity? I don't know what this means. It's like, where do I start? Maybe, should I start over here in Numbers? Uh, what is, you know, water from the rock? What is this about? It's like you can just, you open up the Bible, you don't know where to start. Uh, and I believe this series is going to help us to, to walk through uh, the Bible. Uh, in 52 weeks, 52 core passages we're going to look at as we seek God in his word. Now we'll take a break for Easter and for Christmas and, and for some other things that we want to do. But we're going to seek God together in his word. You guys want to join me and join us, join us in this journey together as we seek God and his word? Uh, so we're going to start off here with looking at Psalm 119. Now, this psalm is phenomenal for uh, seeking after God and his word. It has a high value for God's word. And we're going to take a look at Psalm 105 or 119 verses 105 uh, through 112. So the verses will be on the screen. You can follow along on an app or if you have your own Bible. So here, let let me uh, start with verse 105. So the author, the psalmist says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light uh, on my path. Maybe you've heard of this verse before, that God's word is that light or that lamp for my feet that lights right there so I can take the next step on this path that I'm on. Uh, normally we might think, at least when I was studying this and I initially thought, a path might be like in this next picture up on the screen where you have two roads that you need to pick, right? So one road might be the, the journey that God wants you to go on. The other one might be the way that you shouldn't go, right? That's almost like a crossroads. That's a pun intended there. We're a crossroads church. Uh, but I, this isn't actually what uh, Psalm 119 is talking about in this passage. It's talking about one path. So it's more like maybe this next picture, this path. So it's one path that we're on. We're walking on this path, so we need that light in front of us. But I was, as I was thinking, when you look at this path, it looks nice, right? It's smooth. It's, you, there's nothing obstructing your way. And do you really need a light when your path looks like that? It's like if you know there's nothing in front of you that's going to provide an obstacle or or a barrier or something that where you could slip or something, then maybe you don't need that light because you can see, you don't need to really see. I really think, well, the psalmist is talking about maybe our path looks more like this. I, li- I saw this meme, I don't know, last fall. It says, friend, how's your life? Me, everything's on track, thanks. The track. <laughs> like this is our lives actually, at least for me, has looked a lot like this. So which path does your life 
look like? Is that smooth path where it's just happily ever after, like a fairy tale ending? Or is it that track that looks like it is, you're going to go off the rails, right? You're going to need a light for your path if it looks like that train track. So I think a lot of times our lives can be like that. I wish I could tell you, and and this is where maybe I'm like a heretic here. I wish I could tell you that life is going to be great no matter what. You know, just trust in the Lord and your path is going to be like that that first one. I wish I could say that, but that's not what I see in the Bible. Our path is going to, and that's not what I see from my experience too. Our lives look like that track that is just all wonky and all lopsided and we could just go who knows where. So we desperately need to seek God in his word because it's going to light that path so you can see like, oh, I'm about to, there's some black ice there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to avoid that. This track is, going, is, is totally off track there. So I'm going to take a step over here. That light, we desperately need God's word to light that path before us because we could slip. We could go off the rails. We need his word. In our lives. So now I want to encourage you to maybe, and I don't want to say, wow, this is depressing. Our life just looks like that train track. No, there's times where smooth, there's some smooth seasons, right? Maybe when you met your spouse for the first time, you got married, you had your first kid, or, you know, you came to know Jesus, you got baptized, or whatever, God answered a prayer for you, God brought healing, provision. We have those things where it's smooth. So I want to encourage you that that's okay when, if life is like that right now. But at the same time, we need to be prepared for when life looks like that train track. So we needed to seek him and his word. So our paths won't always be smooth, but God says he will light Our path. In the next verse, he says, I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. So the psalmist, he's saying, I promise to obey. Another way to say it is your faithful decisions. Because he knows that his laws, his word, uh, they're, they're, they're decisions that God has made about how we're to live. He is faithful. So I promise, I promise to keep them, I promise to live them out. And this is why he says, I have taken an oath. So it's not, this promise isn't like when my kids promise to, they're going to clean up their toys. It may probably not happen, right? This isn't that kind of promise. This is a, an oath where we promise to, that, hey, we're going to keep your faithful laws, your faithful teachings and your word, because we know that it, it guides us on this a train track of life. Uh, in the next verse, verse 107, he, uh, the psalmist says, I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. So when, we, when we're weak, we're tempted not to trust and follow God's word. This is where he says, I have suffered much. He's in a, the psalmist is in a vulnerable position. So save my life, preserve it according to your word. So when we're weak, right? When we're weak, when we're tired, when we're exhausted, when we're emotionally drained, uh, when we're going through pain, when we're mourning, when we're weak, it, let's just be honest. We, we might want to be selfish. We might, might, might want to hold unforgiveness. We might want to do some of those things on those statistics that we looked at. Uh, and so we desperately need God to save us, to preserve our lives. 
So God then uh, is, 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 he is faithful to keep that promise. So I want to encourage you guys, if you feel weak right now, if you feel vulnerable, to turn to God. He is faithful to preserve your life. He is faithful to save you with whatever you're going through. Uh, so promise then to be faithful to God's word before you are weak. I think this is important and even goes to that oath of I promise to, to keep, to live out your faithful decisions. We want to do that. If you're in a good season right now, I want to encourage you to, to be in his word, to seek after God in prayer and seek him in his word to develop those habits uh, because that will help you when your life looks more like that train track. When you've experienced suffering and pain, uh, that his word and, and seeking God in prayer will sustain you. Uh, God, he saves us when we are weak by his word. So even, I want to hear, even if you don't have those habits yet, God is so gracious. If you're going through something, turn to him, cry out to him, uh, open up his word, seek him in prayer. Uh, we'll have people after the service here to pray with you. If you need a prayer, seek him. Start now. It's not too late to develop those kinds of habits. In the next uh, verse, verse 108 uh, the psalmist says, "Accept the Lord, accept the accept Lord the willing praise of my mouth. Teach me your laws." So he's saying, "I'm going to praise God freely. It's like a free will offering." They had offerings in the Old Testament where they would off, offer up different animals and things, but they're accept this offering freely from me. And he says, "To teach me your laws." I love this because the psalmist is assumes, rightfully so, that God wants to, us to understand his word. So he said, God, teach me your ways. So what he is saying is that God, he isn't trying to make this so you can't understand his word. He wants you to understand. Ask him, God, teach me uh, your ways. Teach me, help me to understand what your word says. And he is faithful to, by his spirit to show you, to help you to understand. Whether you're reading uh, yourself or you ask a friend who's a follower of Jesus, you could ask me or somebody in your life group, if you're in a small group, to ask somebody. And God, by his spirit, helps us to understand this. So there's a tension here, though. So God's word we can understand, but it's also inexhaustible. So what that means is there are, you, can, you can always learn something from God's word. Those of you who have been followers of Jesus for a while, 30, 40, 50 years, right? You open up the Bible and you can always learn something from it because it is inexhaustible. It's so deep. But don't let that uh, cause you to hesitate that you can understand things now. You can begin to understand what God is saying in his word. So ask God, God, show me your ways. Help me to understand your word. In the next few verses, the psalmist says, Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. So there's some parallel things going on here. I won't bore you with Hebrew grammar and parallelism, but I will just mention these two things. He, in the first uh, part of the uh, verse 109, he says, I constantly take my life in my hands, and then verse 110, he says, the wicked have set a snare for me. So these two are saying some similar things here. So 
We can have enemies, as the psalmist says here, but we can be our own worst enemy. So he says, normally I might think, take my life into my hands. It's like, I am going to make it happen. And, you know, that's good to be motivated and everything. I'm excited if you are motivated to take your life in your hands, so to speak. But that's not what he's saying here. Actually, this word means more like when you take your life in your hands, is isn't like this, right? I got my life. I'm going to make it happen, whatever it is. When you're going to college, you're going to work, I'm going to get that promotion. I got my life in my hands. That's not what this means. It means I have my life right here on the palm of my hand, and it's in a vulnerable position, right? It's different, right, if you think about it like that. That's what he means when I take my life in my hand is it's like this, Like, one of you kids can knock my life right out of my hands right here. It is so vulnerable. So that's what he means. Doesn't mean I got it like this. When I take my life in my hands, it's like this. It's vulnerable. So, of course, an enemy can take it. My life is vulnerable. But he says that God, though, if we trust in his word and rely on him uh, and not stray from his past, that he he will... preserve us. So don't wander away from God's word. Continue to seek after him. We want him to have our lives in his hands like this, right? That's what we want. When we put our lives in our hands, it's like this. But when we, God when God has our lives in his hands, he has it and he's holding tightly and he won't let you slip from his fingers. So trust in him. Seek him in his word. Seek him in prayer. So God, uh, let me uh, read uh, verse 111 to continue. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. So he's saying here, God's word is like a treasured possession. So my heritage forever, he's talking about like possession, like a owning land, like if you own a farm or something like that. Or maybe you're a, a homeowner. You guys know there's a difference between when you rent and when you own your home. It is kind of, hopefully, uh, for most of us, a treasured thing that you will possess versus renting something. I I was once on a conference. um, I could say this, too, because I haven't worked with this guy for five years, so he's probably not going to watch this sermon. But we went on this conference, and we were renting a car. And he was just gunning it over the speed bumps. I was like, wow. I'm like, okay, well, it's a rental Right? So he's gunning it over these speed bumps, and I was afraid for my life saying a prayer. But, um, but that's different when you own something, right? You own your car. It is your car. He's not driving that over speed bumps like that. He's being more careful. So that, that, that is what he's talking about. This is a treasured possession, way more than owning a car or owning our home, that God's word is this treasured thing that we possess, uh, that it brings us life and hope and freedom. Uh, in the next verse, uh, verse uh, 1, uh, 12, we see there. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. So he, uh, we can find hope in keeping God's word. His heart is set that we, are, our hearts are set on, on his word because it's a treasured possession. I love what the next verse, or in the uh, in verse uh, 36, though, I believe, um, uh, says this. Uh, Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. I think this is important to look earlier in the psalm of verse 36 because these two things are kind of in tension together. 
because he's like, my heart is set. I'm going to go after God's word and I'm going to seek him. But then we hear him, uh, the psalmist asked, turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Because it goes to what we've talked about at the beginning of the sermon, that our hearts are actually poor, uh, uh, are, are, are turned toward all of these things, unforgiveness, selfishness, gambling, addiction, uh, all of these things that can uh, have us go astray. Uh, our hearts are prone to turn in, in those ways. So we ask God, God, turn my selfish heart toward your word, toward your ways, toward your laws uh, for me, and help me not to be selfish. So our, our hearts, our yes, can be set on his word, but we ask God to help us, right, to help us to, to not be prone to live in those ways. And this really is about our hearts being changed, our hearts being changed uh, to seek after God. I love Psalm, or excuse me, I love Romans eight twenty nine, where Paul he says this: uh, "For those God fore, foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters." So God knew before and chose you. If you're a follower of Jesus, He chose you to be conformed to the image of Jesus. This is what this life is about. Our hearts being changed from being selfish to being set to God and his word. And then uh, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. See, we're created in the image of God, each and every one of us. But we're prone to selfishness. Our image of God is broken. So God, though, he saw us in our brokenness, in our unforgiveness, in our addictions, in all of our messy stuff, and he still says, I choose you. I choose you. And I want to change your heart, your selfish heart. I want to conform you to the image of Jesus, who is love and forgiveness and resurrection life. This is what I want for you, you, the person that is a sinner, a person that is depraved, who is fallen, who is broken, who is struggling with all of these things, I choose you to conform you to Jesus. This, this brings joy to my heart. Does it bring joy to yours? And th- does that uh, begin then, your heart begins to be set to God and his word, that I, we want to know this God who, who will change a heart that is dark and broken and take that heart and say, I choose that heart and I want to change it uh, to the image of Jesus. So let's seek him in his word. What joy that is. For us, my big idea for us this morning, you can see it on the screen. God want, God's word is a joy to our hearts. If it is a joy to our hearts, we're going to want to seek him. We're going to want to open up his word. It is a joy. It is good news to our broken hearts. That God would save a sinner like me, would save someone like you, that would choose you of all people, as we all fall short of God's glory. I want to encourage you to seek him. And if you're going through a rough season right now, 
to seek him. This is the best time right now to seek him. And if you have that path that is smooth, seek him. Seek after him in prayer. Seek after him in, in his word. Because when our lives do look like that train track, you all have developed those habits to seek after God. You know, life, we, we don't know what's to come. I wish I could say, as I said earlier, that our lives are going to be smooth. We're going to live happily ever after lives. Uh, and yet life doesn't turn out that way many times. Uh, I shared this story with you guys before, but I think this is uh, important uh, just uh, for this message. Is I remember uh, sitting with my mother in, in a car. Uh, it was at November I don't know. It was in November, I remember that. And uh, we just had a house fire, and I was like a teenager. And I remember telling her, you know, a year from now, uh, everything is going to be okay, right? Because I'm thinking, in a year from now, the house will get it fixed, and we'll live in there, and it's going to be okay, right? And I'm like, this is what I was hoping for, and I thought would happen. Then a year from now, um, my mom would have or passed away. She passed away in, in that February. Her dad would pass away. Her brother would pass away as well. And life, many times, looks like that train track where it's like, man, this, this is rough. This is not what I thought it would be. And yet, we have this word here. We have, God, we need, when our life looks like that, we need him. We need to seek him in prayer. We need to seek him in his word when our lives feel like they're going off the track. And I know, I know for a fact I would not be here if I didn't seek after God when my life looked like it was done, it was over. So let's seek him. Let's seek him together as a church. So I still got some more to go. I didn't talk to the worship team beforehand about this part. Sorry, guys. But you guys are so patient. Um, so let's walk through here um, uh, what this looks like. So you can go to the next slide. And then, yeah, this is perfect. So this is what this Core 52 series is going to look like. So uh, this is kind of an intro, so you're ahead of the game. Next week, we're actually really starting this thing. So we're going to look at the Core uh, 52 passages over a year plus time. where uh, I will preach us the sermon uh, next week will be on God is creating in Genesis 1. And then there's day one. There will be a video to watch. And day two, you can see up there, memorize a core text. So we encourage you to memorize a, a verse from the Bible. Uh, and then review other verses from previous weeks. So week one, you won't have to do that because there's only one, one verse, right? So in day three, read a story of the passage from the Bible that illustrates the text of the week. So that is like Genesis 1, so you would read that, I believe, for next week. Uh, And then read through three other related passages that kind of support that main passage. And then day five is some practical application, putting it into practice. Now, we'll have this on our website. We'll put it on in our newsletter. We'll post it on social media. Plenty of opportunities to participate in this. Some of our life groups will, will be doing this, too. So I want to encourage you to seek him. And if you can only do one of those things, do that. Start somewhere as we seek God together. And uh, also there's some of uh, the Core 52 books. If you would like to purchase one, there's, uh, they're $10 out in um, our Holy Grounds lobby area. But let me pray for us as we close.
Heavenly Father, I am uh, thankful, uh, thankful uh, that you chose us, uh, broken people, prone to uh, addiction and unforgiveness and selfishness, uh, and you chose us uh, to be conformed to the image of your son, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Uh, I pray that you would uh, transform us uh, by your word, uh, that you would save us, preserve our lives if we are struggling right now, if we are weak, if we are going through something. I don't know what people are going through here, uh, but you do. So help them now. Help them to seek you in prayer, whether it's after the service here with somebody or uh, praying with a friend or, or just praying and crying out to you that they would seek after you. Oh, I'm so thankful for your faithful word, for your your faithfulness in our lives. I pray for those in this room, too, who don't know you yet, that they would turn to you, that they can be, begin to seek after you, that your word brings life and hope to them. I pray, too, for us here who know Jesus and uh, have opportunities to to share um, your love with those who don't, that you would give us the wisdom by your word, Uh, to share that good news with those around us, whether we invite them to our homes or invite them to church to to be a part of this series as we engage your word. Uh, Thank you for your faithfulness, for your love, uh, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.